And we can do a clap in three, two, one. Sweet. To, to continue to delay this show, I want to just really quickly mention that my friends who record other podcasts and I just did a guest on their episode didn't understand that doing the clap to sync everything up was like superbly needed. And my buddy who edits his show was just like, yeah, I just kind of guess and figure out how they match up together when they don't do a clap. Because their concern was that their voice conversation or whatever, you know, that they were using to like sync up over the internet um, to talk to each other. They're like, well, when I clap, he doesn't clap at the same time as me. And I'm like, well, yes, it's a, there's a natural delay. Like, <laughs> you know, right. audio and video isn't instant. And he, so we did a clap and I was guessing on their show and they're like, I don't know, you, his was really delayed. And I'm like... When you sync it all up, it's going to sound fine. This is why you're doing the clap. Exactly, exactly. So, anyways, what I'm saying is we've been doing this for like four or five years now, and I don't really fucking care. We know exactly what we're doing. Well, um, all I'm saying is we're okay with the clap. Oh. <laughs> I regret nothing. <sighs> I wish that had been the end of the show because I want to leave this earth now. <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right, since, let's, we, uh, since we've been recording, it might end up at the end. Wink, yeah, exactly. wink, Xander. Uh, let's take a couple seconds and get into this. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two fantastic human beings, Renee Rodriguez. Yo. And Nick White. Hey. How you guys doing this week? I hope... That your weeks have been great in leading up to these massive holidays of the December month. I want to ask you the question that I asked every single week. Because you know what? I just gotta. How have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Renee. Um, I've been busy. I've been real busy with uh, work and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, in that busy, dark world that is the, uh, you know job market of adulthood there's always the silver lining of comics because you know they're always there for you and it's great always always, always. and it's actually very interesting because i uh haven't been able to go to the comic book store in my town for mm-hmm. a about a month which i generally try to just kind of wander in there because they also have a pretty decent manga section Right. And it's always right. just full of randos, so like sometimes we'll just walk in there and just pick random stuff off. And it's like you can get three for fifteen bucks and I'm like, that's a steal. Oh, uh, that is a steal. Holy smokes. Yeah, exactly. So uh I was doing that and I did pick up I went in there the other day and I picked up not manga though, I picked up some American comics and one of them being uh New Mutants, the new run by uh Jonathan Hickman. Wow. And uh, Mr. Ed Brisson with uh, Rod Reese on art and uh, VC's Travis Lanham on lettering, which is – I love the lettering in this book. It mm-hmm. was very fun. And uh, I'll be honest. I haven't read an X-Men book in years. I think like the last thing I read was uh, Avengers vs. X-Men. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, and I was like, I was like, I don't need to know backstory. I'm gonna just dive right in. <laughs> that is the most bold thing I've ever heard of in my life. Because especially it's, as the X Men, like I could see you doing this with almost literally any other property, but with what's going on in the X Men, I gotta know how are you feeling after reading this New Mutants number one? Well, so I, I heard about the Krakoa stuff. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm pronouncing that right. Um, yeah, but I heard about it from. 
I think you you were you were Twitter, like you were on Twitter talking about it, and so I was like, Mike Rappin, what's going on in X Men? And you know, uh, I just imagined that you had your own show where you just give us the rundown on X Men, but. I mean, that's kind of what this show is sometimes. <laughs> I just figure you're like, what's going on in X-Men? And then all you hear back is like the so like the sounds of like a 56K modem as like Mike overloads and like tries to describe everything. <laughs> yes. I mean, that that's going to be the spinoff show of IRCB is just Mike explains the X-Men and then I get into a, a legal battle with Jay and Miles who explain the X-Men because their podcast will be, be, would be superbly better. But um, or is superbly better is my guess. But yeah, Renee. But diving into this New Mutants number one, really, what was it like? Like, how did you how did you feel about this book, knowing nothing of Hoxpox or anything else that had happened before it? Um, so I was pretty confused, but at the same time, I was like, uh, get over that. Um, right, it's comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, because here's the thing: like the opening page, I think has um, like Reed Reed Richards' character from ultimate universe just kind of hanging out at least i'm pretty sure that's who that is oh oh boy renee that's (laughs) professor xavier what that's professor x my friend he's got it okay all right well taking that in stride um (laughs) (laughs) off to a good start here yeah yeah well like i said i was uh, i was like i i don't know i just kind of took everything with a grain of salt and honestly when corsair showed up i was like I'm in it. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked that. Corsair showing up, and even though he's a douche, um, but it also reminds me of this time this one guy randomly in a store introduced himself as Corsair Switzerlord, and <laughs> also said he was a space pirate who was part of the Neo Mars army, and that's a story for a different time. But I, yeah. the point is, I always enjoy when Corsair shows up because it reminds uh-huh. me of this crazy time in my life. And then, wow. and then he asked Renee to help him carry all of the cold medicine out to his car. Right, and then oh. Renee got in the car, and we never heard from Renee again. Here's the Renee's thing: ghost. the actual story is so much better than that. But that's a, that's for another time. <laughs> Save that for the next IRCB hangout that we have, because I think that that's the right place to tell that story. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, so New Mutants was pretty fun. I actually really enjoyed it, and I do want to keep reading the series. And okay. I really love the art. I also really love the uh, random sword fight in the middle of the book. Mm-hmm. Also, Chamber's in it, and that's all I've ever wanted in an X-Men book is more Chamber. So, yeah. delivered. Yeah, I think this, this book would hit a lot of nails on the head for you, probably, Renee. But it does get real wacky and weird by issue three. I'll just say that. I mean, it got pretty random at the end there. and uh... Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, what else did you read? Um, I also started reading a uh, manga series uh, called Act Age, uh, which is uh, – it's a manga about acting, which I was very skeptical about. I was mm-hmm. like I, – I was like, you know what? I will suspend a lot of disbelief for a lot of things when it comes to manga. But I was like, acting, I, I just – I don't – I can't. I don't know if I can do it. And then it almost doesn't seem niche enough of a topic. Like whenever you guys are like, "Oh, this is a manga about the game Go," and I'm like, "That's fine." I now understand that manga is like hyper niche learning of some very specific thing. And now you're like acting, and I'm like, "I don't believe it. This doesn't seem possible." Like for the record, the manga about Go is my favorite manga of all time, and it is amazing. So right. You I don't think Nick it. is. I don't think <laughs> Nick is trying to say that it's bad. I think he's just saying like a lot of the time they're you'll very find, like, honed hyper, in. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
I was going to say, I was like, if you're going to start throwing hands, bro, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it seemed very weird to me. And I've read a manga about golf and you read a I've, manga about manga. I have. Yeah. And I read one where, you know, there's super powered rollerblades that have something to do with the fabric of the universe. Sweet. And even still, I was like, I think acting's just a little out there. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, this, this is a bridge too far for Renee. This is exactly, the day he exactly. quit manga. <laughs> but I, I read one of the, and this is, this is actually how I get into a lot of my manga series is if I'm like, Oh, I don't know what else I want to read today. I've read all the chapters that I've read. I was like, Oh, here's the latest chapter of this manga that I know very little about. I'll just read the newest chapter, even though I absolutely know nothing about what's going on. But if huh. it interests me, maybe I'll jump back to the beginning. And that's exactly what happened. And now I'm like on the third volume. So act age. It's about acting story by Tatsuya Matsuki and art by Shiro Usazaki. And, uh, it's not bad. It's not bad. I'm very interested in it. I, I don't even know what this could possibly be about, and I want to try it. So it's, you've, I assume you're checking this out in the Shonen Jump app. Yeah, so they have okay. the first okay. they have the first like six chapters up, and then so they like the volumes when they are released, they update it on the site. So there's only gotcha. like a couple volumes on except that they have like the last like 50 chapters up as well so if you're uh up to date you can still follow it gotcha cool well i i th- that was a bizarre jump between books and i'm i'm glad that you're that's that's the way you live your comic <laughs> life for nice so it's thank not, you it's not just my comic life bro <laughs> <laughs> well nick what about you how have you been how have comic books been what have you been reading my friend um, well, you know, I'm I'm fresh off of yesterday attending my cousin's son. What does that make him? I don't think that makes him a second cousin. I think that makes him my first cousin once removed. Anyway, this is now an ancestrypod.com uh, podcast and uh, <laughs> uh no. Um so I was invited to his second birthday party, which as you can guess was a real um rager. And um but no, it was good. There were there were cupcakes and 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 all sorts of fun snacks and um yeah it was it was a great time and um beyond that i i have done some reading uh i read uh the valerian the complete collection volume one here we go it's time for me to butcher a just long string of french names let's just Perfect. get right into it right here <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it was written by Pierre Christine. I think that one I might be okay on. Uh, drawn by Jean Claude Mezeres, probably butchered the last name, and colored by Evelyn Tr- Evelyn Tranel. Sorry, guys. Um, maybe Tronley. Yeah, may- yeah. There you go, Nick. If you're gonna at least pronounce everything, at least put the letters in the right order. Jesus. Oh. Um, so this includes the first three volumes of Valerian, um, all of which this was uh, created between 67 and 70 and began as a comic strip in the magazine Pilot, which is a, uh, Franco-Belgian comics magazine. Um, some people have probably heard of this because it's really been recognized on the world stage recently for, for two major reasons. Uh, Luc Besson turned it into a 2017 film called Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, which 
To date, is the most expensive European and independent film ever made with a budget of 180 million. So that just tells you how much money they have. Um, <laughs> Uh, and there were also recently resurfaced claims because every time a Star Wars movie rolls around or just the public tends to be paying more attention to Star Wars again although you could argue that that really hasn't waned recently anyway um, claims start surfacing that Star Wars basically ripped off Valerian so that's that's another thing apparently which is weird because like George Lucas has always been pretty transparent about his inspirations for Star Wars so it would be kind of weird for him to sort of just omit one thing um right. so who knows there's a there's a fun side by side in the book that compares some of the elements like uh the princess Leia bikini outfit gee it looks an awful lot like this scene and this the whole carbonite sequence looks like this, whatever. I, I think it's, yeah, I, I, I really don't think it's uh, a thing. I don't think it's for real. Um, but for me, like, I really love it. It's big oversized pages, just that generalized Franco-Belgian aesthetic of comics, like Asterix and Tintin and 13. Like, I love that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um for those who actually want to know what it's about and haven't seen the movie, and I haven't seen the movie either because Luke Besson is kind of a creep. Um, Don't worry, <laughs> the, you're not missing anything with the movie. I watched it. It's yeah, it's, it's definitely a movie, but that's about <laughs> it. Like, there's nothing very redeeming about it, and the acting is um, mediocre at best. I, yeah, like, I mean, I, I always Rihanna expect, the best, I always expect the best yeah. out of a Cara Delvine performance. But I mean, if you're going to tell me that this one's no good, then uh, all right. Um, yeah. So basically, Valerian is this guy. He works for the spatio spatio temporal service, and uh, they go back in time and deal with people that are trying to mess with the space time continuum. Stop me if you've heard this one before. But then again, this is 1967, so mm-hmm. you know it's not like. Every everybody else is copying this, I guess you would say. Um, so he has to go back in time, and they follow the whole Star Trek mantra of you know when you go to certain you know planets or whatever that aren't as advanced or don't know about space travel, you can't use advanced weapons, and you have to wear clothing so you blend the right clothing so you blend in and speak the language and all that stuff, and um. He gets sent off because one of his angry co-workers from the Dream Department runs off to 1100 AD to go hang out with a wizard or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> something French or whatever. It's French, whatever. Um, but I, I guess this is sort of a reflection of the fact that in the 20th century, there's not much left for people to do except really sleep and dream. And because this guy ran off, everyone's kind of going into a weird insomnia psychosis thing. Um which, I mean, if they were trying to predict the future of, like, you know, what, what jobs are left for, for humanity, I guess maybe they're a little on the nose here. Um, so, yeah. Uh, altogether, the book's actually pretty forward-thinking and progressive in its outlook for being over 50 years old. There's some pretty ominous stuff about uh, the future of the environment, as well as the increasingly sedentary nature of humanity, which is just what I got at. For those unaware, I'm just saying people people be lazy, uh, myself included, um, uh, which is why it's kind of disappointing that sort of you have these kind of progressive ideas that are decades old now um, juxtaposed alongside Luke Besson's interview at the beginning of the book with the creators, and he's basically trying to get them to be like, hey, that 
that Loreline character um, uh, is pretty hot, right? And and they're like, okay, like I didn't know we signed up for this. Thanks, Luke. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, it's kind of a creepy interview. Um, uh, for those unaware, Valerian meets this girl named Loreline in 1100 and she turns into a unicorn and unicorns can read thoughts and she figures out that he's from the future and he says well I guess I gotta take you back with me and she becomes his companion and they travel around and maybe it's like a Doctor Who thing but I don't really know because I haven't finished the book yet All right, guys just calm down Um, (laughs) so it's French, right? Uh, I mean, but you're you're enjoying it, is what I'm hearing, though. You're you're enjoying I mean, reading. Yeah, this. I I enjoyed it in the same way that like I really enjoyed Tintin until it had like some vaguely racist moments, and so part of me is like waiting for the other shoe to drop with this book I see. and I see. and have that moment. But for now, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll also say I read. Um, this is part of Nick White's, hey, I'm going to actually go back to my Humble Bundle uh, library and try to grab something and say, yeah, I read my Humble Bundle books, because mm-hmm. that's that's rarefied air. That's a select group of people. It's true. Um, so I read uh, X Omnibus Volume 1, um, largely the first arc, which was written by Stephen Grant, drawn by Doug Mankey, inks by Jimmy Palmiotti, um, uh, colors by Pamela Rambo and letters by Lois Buhalis. So you've got some big names there. This is 1993, so this is before a lot of these people become pretty big. Mm-hmm. And Stephen Grant, for those who aren't aren't aware, would go on to do two guns amongst other things. I know a lot of the other names there are, are pretty recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was an interesting uh, deep dive, which was assisted by Comic Book DB, which we're now, I don't know, it's getting shut down today or tomorrow at the time of uh, recording. So, yeah, tomorrow, yeah. Um, salute to Comic Book DB. Uh, so X is an original Dark Horse character who made his first appearance in Dark Horse Comics number eight. Yes, the name of the series made by Dark Horse Comics was titled Dark Horse Comics. Sure. Which began in 1992 and is not to be confused with Dark Horse Presents, which began six years before that in 1986. People say comics are inaccessible, and honestly, I don't fucking understand it. (laughs) This is very easy stuff, guys. Come on. Uh, It's so stupid. Um, So if you're wondering what this book is about, uh, this is a book rolling out around the same time as like Spawn Number 1 and Sin City. So if you want to guess that this book is going to be like super hardcore violence, um, yeah, it is. Uh, It's a guy who has a big red X uh, all over the front of his head, and he's got stitching up and down all of his legs and arms that are big red Xs and... uh, um, yeah, it's uh, it's real goofy, and he he his mask only has an opening for one eye, which means as a criminal you only need to go looking for a one-eyed man, which seems like that would be easier. Uh, or you've got a superhero that's willing to give up depth perception for a half-hearted attempt at a uh, cable cosplay. So, um, yeah, and then like he like marks half of an X as a warning, and then if he does the other half of the X, then like you're dead. So it's it's hardcore and stupid, and um, uh, I've kind of enjoyed it uh at least as in the same way that i kind of enjoyed spawn um it's it's i mean some of it's from an artistic standpoint is not bad but like thematically it's um 
you know, it's very much from what I think Paul would probably call the attitude era of comics. So <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah. What, what about you, Mike? Well, for me, I, I read a handful of books. I, I realized that as I've been going through my, you know, spreadsheet of the comics that I read this year, I think I'm running about like 50 or 60 comics short compared to what I did last year. And I think that might be, be in a combination of there have been days, like almost like weeks where I haven't read more than like two or three comics. And also, I think I've been reading more graphic novels this year. But I so in, in to try to get around that, I've been trying to read more single issues and stuff like that to try to catch up to say like that I read, you know, 550 comics this year or something. But I picked <laughs> up a book on out of the blue during a, the Thanksgiving sale on Comixology called I Moved to LA to Work in Animation. This is by Natalie Nuragat. And it's a it's a really interesting autobiog- autobiographical comic about this one woman's not journey, but like it almost reads like a how-to manual or like a frequently asked questions article that people may have about how they got into animation. And mm-hmm. the thing that was the most interesting about this book to me, though, was that it was published by Boom Studios. And to me, while I think that it, this totally fixed, fits in terms of style and like the feel of the book, um, I was very surprised to see it published by them because it's a truly autobiographical comic. And I don't think that's something that... Uh, boom really does that often like they do more like adult oriented comics say like you know grass kings for instance that's very Mm -hmm. mature um they also do like you know adventure time and power rangers and so this book kind of fits into this weird niche that boom sometimes tries to put their like big toe in the pool of which is kind of off the wall comics and so i and i'm really glad that they did because i think this is a really smart book like i think it's a really well put together book really well structured um, even though it, the the format of it kind of threw me, it's definitely broken up into sections, like an introduction about who Natalie is, and then a description of what it was like for her to move from one city to another, from Portland all the way to L.A., and why she had to move to L.A., and what she had to do in order to make sure that she had you know, a job lined up and an apartment and how she couch surfed and how like a lot of other people did this and some other people she spoke to did that and some people just moved to LA and she was like, no, I need to get a job. And so there's a there's a chunk about that, like the description of who she is, then the introduction moving, what it's like working as an animator. And then the last probably third or maybe almost half of the book is just what she titles other FAQ and it's questions along the line of what kind of salary can you expect and what how did you break into this how do you break into a studio at all and like what's it like when you're applying for jobs what's the interview process like um all this kind of stuff that i feel like every vocation every major career vocation out there should have right like as a as a you know web developer i think that a comic like this or a story like this or an article like this would be super crucial and she she goes out to say at the beginning of the book hey this is just my experience coming from my place of privilege from all the things that i have based on this work that i had done for myself so don't expect this to go line for line by you know line by line for you but also here are a lot of things that helped me and here are a lot of things that i want to add on top of that in order to try to help you if you want to get a job in animation and so it was a it's an honestly incredible comic it's about 95 pages long with the covers and at the end of it on top of the FAQ that she has she also has interviews like little micro interviews with 
five or six or seven different other story animators, uh, storyboard animators that, that she knows. So she went to go to, to basically be a story artist, I think is what they called it, where basically you work for an animation studio and you draw storyboards about a specific movie. She works on feature films. She also interviewed people that work just on television, how their jobs are a little bit more topsy-turvy because, you know, shows get canceled or, you know, if you have a season or half a season off because of, you know, summer or something like that, like you just have to find other things to do. But but the pay is also comparable to say, oh, you may saved up enough money to kind of survive during the summer before the fall comes back and you've got your new show to work on. So, again, it was a really, really interesting book. I highly recommend it to anybody that wants to get into, like, the professional arts medium. And I think from what the book said, I think it was published this year, maybe the year before, like, these story animators are super, super needed. So, if you have any artistic talent and you want to try to break into the industry outside of comics, I mean, apparently, this is a very good place to do that. You just got to move to LA. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things I thought was really interesting is that that in LA, and I think this is more more popular in California in general is how strong the union for these animators was that like you know they have a minimum wage set for for people when they first start off and there are rules around freelancing and there's rules around x and there's rules around y healthcare is really good and a lot of these studios offer a lot of perks because they're required for the job and I it was such a really like amazing book um so yeah I I, I didn't read Every single interview, because the end of the book, it's very, very wordy in general as a book. The interviews were even more wordy. They're like little small pictures with almost full pages of text. But um, on the whole, it was a fantastic book. Um, it was about an ex- like a, a side of the world that I didn't honestly ever think about. And I realized that that's crucial to a lot of animated feature films as well as obviously uh, animated television. So... Really quickly, the other book I want to call out, I read Strange Skies Over East Berlin. This is by Jeff Loveness with art by Lissandro Estherin, uh, colors by Patricio Del Peche. Uh, Cinco on our Discord, he, you know, he's a fantastic dude. He recommended this book to me at our last IRCB hangout that we did. And I was like, all right, let's try it. And I bought the, the first two issues and the third issue came out. And so I read all three. And holy shit, this book is the coolest thing. Um, it's like paranormal meets post-World War II Berlin meets an incredible way to dissect mental illness without being in your face about it. And Cinco pointed that out to me. I didn't even consider it. And it's, you look at the first three issues on the whole, that's totally there. And I highly recommend this book. So go pick it up or make sure you grab the trade when it comes out. I'm guessing it's going to be four or five issues. So brother, oh my gosh, it was very, very good. But we are running super long. So let's quickly jump into uh, comic picks for this week. Comics are dropping on December 18, 2019. What are you guys excited for? Renee, I'm tossing it back to you. Uh, I'm excited for Haikyuu chapter 377. Uh, That's uh, the volleyball manga that I've been reading, uh, story and art by uh, Haruichi Furudate. It is one of the most beautiful books in Jump right now. I specifically Mm -hmm. mean Jump because, well, we don't have time to get into it. But yeah, um, I absolutely love Haikyuu, and I've been shoving it down everyone's throats more than I shove One Piece down it. Um, <laughs> it's really good. It's about volleyball. I love volleyball. <laughs> it's super good. We're in a brand new story arc. We're it's beach volleyball storyline, bitches. So it's pretty dope. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man, I've, I'm way, way behind on this book, but I, I need to catch up. Now that I'm caught up on, like, Dragon Ball Super and My Hero Academia, it's like I should really get back into reading this because I loved it so much. It's so good. Um, beach Volleyball makes me really excited about what the hell the, the story is even going to be about. Oh, bro, you don't even know. I'd like, I thought it was going to end, and that scared the hell out of me, and then we were just mm-hmm. like, no, we've done something different. And I was like, huh. <sighs> That's awesome. I wasn't ready that... to give it up yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, cool. Well, Nick, what about you? What are you excited for this week? 
Well, this probably won't surprise anyone, uh, but it's Ice Cream Man Volume 4, Tiny Lives. Um, I've read Ice Cream Man in volumes up to this point, uh, and because I was current um, as the fourth arc rolled out in singles, I was just kind of catching a little bit here and there on the periphery, trying mm-hmm. to not get too much so it would spoil, but just, you know, you, you hear things, you can't avoid it. So, obviously, I heard about, I think there's an issue that you can read from the front cover to the middle or from the back cover to the middle, and it's different. Mm-hmm. I think it's called palindromes or something. That sounded really, really interesting. So, of course, when this the actual trade rolls out, I'm I'm super excited. Uh, this is by W. Maxwell Prince, writing Martin Morazzo art, Chris O'Halloran colors, good old neon letters. Uh, images summary is... The critically acclaimed horror anthology drives back into town, offering four new stories that zoom in on folks who are just barely scraping by and are willing to do anything to change that. A.K.A. basically the book that we... It's... it's. Let me try that again. Uh, A.K.A. basically the book that we've known all the way up to this point. <laughs> yeah, People yeah. in desperate decisions making, you know, Faustian packs of sort, and unfortunately, in some of the cases unwillingly or unwittingly entering into these sorts of things so that's um, very I'm exciting. on board end of story yeah, yeah i mean we're gonna have to do another minisode about this nick i think this is our our semi-regular series that we put out is this an ice cream man coverage show so it's yeah. fine by me i'm very excited for this volume as well but for me this week the book that i'm picking i was gonna go with one of the x books but i decided you know what, let's let's go out on a limb let's try something new and i'm gonna pick out the wonder woman dead earth number one series this is by daniel warren johnson i don't even know what this book's gonna about but i'm here for daniel warren johnson like anything this dude buy or anything this dude does i'm here for it so i i can't believe the cover price is uh, seven dollars but you know what i'm i'm here oh my for God. it I'm going to try it, um, and we'll see if I continue it. DC's going to have fucking $7 out of my pocket. But Daniel Warren Johnson on art, I think this is going to be a you know really cool book, and I'm really excited to see what he does with Wonder Woman because I, I always like a really good Wonder Woman story. But, you know, let's take a quick break, and we are going to talk about something after the break that... I think everybody will love. And this is the best comics that you read in 2019. We'll get into what exactly that means in a second, but we've got a list, boy, and it is uh, something. So we'll be back in a second. For our show this week, we are talking about the best comics we read in 2019. It is the almost the end of 2019. It's very close, and so to wrap up the year, you know, we're gonna we're just gonna talk about some of the books that we've read over the past 12 months of 2019. And this could be books that came out in 2019 or books that you just read for the first time this year. So we're gonna go through some of these books and talk about maybe what took us so long to read them or why we had to immediately read something when it came out this year because we've got a list of all sorts of stuff. All I'm seeing is like 500,000 mangas as far as Renee's concerned. So, Nick, I want to ask you a question. If you had to look at your list of books that you're really excited about, what books did you really enjoy? Or what's been your number one or number two book that you enjoyed this year that you read? Sure. Uh, narrowing it down. Um, one of one of my <laughs> strengths. Yes, I know, uh, I know. <laughs> decisions. Uh, great, thank you. This is now my worst nightmare. Um Honestly, it really won't shock people if you already listened to the first half of the show that really uh, Ice Cream Man was above and beyond 
um, a book that I, I just thoroughly enjoyed. I know that I showed up a little bit late to the party on this book, um, and just I'm still consistently late to the party because I started in trades, and you know how it is, forever in trades shall I be, I suppose. Um, and and I, I just absolutely love this book because it's it's so rare in the sense that it basically... It has some serialized elements in terms of Ice Cream Man, in terms of um, his background, in terms of the the very lived-in town um, mm-hmm. in which uh, the majority of, of the events of Ice Cream Man take place, but that's coupled with a real Twilight Zone-esque anthology feel where you, you open any issue and it could literally go anywhere and in in any place from Mm -hmm. a sort of critique on the the music industry to uh, a deep space sci-fi you know you know mystery of sorts to a deep dive into into ice cream man's um past It, it just has this power and ability to go anywhere much like an anthology book does but there are some continuing elements that stick around, which I think makes it appealing to people who maybe aren't really on board with just a pure anthology where it's a just flat out hitting the reset button 100% every single time. And it's such, right. it's such a rare breed in that sense because not only aren't many books attempting this feat, there are even fewer books that are succeeding. And so I think that's what I find so absolutely um, amazing about this book. Uh, I mean, it, it is a little unfortunate that the main crux uh, of it is horror, which I think unfortunately turns off some people that either A, just genuinely don't like horror, or or B, um, you know, they see they see horror and, and they don't even give it a, ch- a chance just because of that. Um, sure. Even sure. if, you know, because I wouldn't say it's like unadulterated conventional horror in the way that we think of it, although sometimes it does have those uh, grotesque moments where it does kind of fulfill that. So, yeah. yeah. I, the thing that's really interesting about that book is I, I think you kind of, you nailed it a little bit, but I would almost add to that to say um, that the book is more of a suspense or thriller um, with a mystery on top of it because there is the constant question of, I don't want to get into spoilers, but there is the constant question of you know, who is the ice cream man? And yeah, what, exactly, what are his goals? What are his plans? Yes. And right. he, he, every issue, his goals and his plans and his ideas and everything that we think we knew from the previous X number of issues gets twisted a little bit more on its head. And I think W. Maxwell Prince has done a great job of keeping people sucked into this book by leaving that question unanswered for the most part, um, even by the end of volume three, especially given the end of volume three. And I, I don't want to go too deep into it, but yeah, I, I'm right there with you. Like, this is by far one of the most surprising, interesting books that I've read this past year. And I'm glad that you and I like sat down. Like Nick and I have done mini sods on the first three volumes. So if you haven't listened, I would highly recommend you you jump into that um, because it's a fantastic series. And like I said before, we'll have to do a mini sod on the next volume. But that's yeah, I'm glad you picked this one because I, I totally forgot about it, but I also knew that you were gonna pick it. <laughs> yeah, I mean if if you're the sort of person who's looking for the comic book equivalent of the 
It's Always Sunny gif where it's Charlie pointing at the strings on the cork board and all of the article <laughs> clippings torn out. Like, yes. if you're looking for the comic book equivalent of that, it's this book. Totally. Like, if you have an eye for detail and, and, and picking up continuity and, um, like, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes I've found that um, Prince will foreshadow or reference something with a little visual element three to four issues before it becomes like yeah you know pertinent um just the the level of which it feels like lived in and everything feels connective and thought out but so much of it just isn't like thrust in front of you you've got to do the work and and find it mm-hmm. um or Potentially, if you're me, you have to start making connections maybe that aren't there, and and maybe that's not a good thing. But no, I, I'm just kidding. I think most of it's intentional. It totally is. I, I think yeah. it's it's really smart in that. Uh, Renee, what about you? What are some of your what's like one of the books that you've got on your list here? Oh, oh man. Oh, I know it's a big question. It's a big question. I think so. What happened this year with me specifically was with my jump subscription, I got to read a lot of the books that were being run in Shonen Jump. And there were a bunch of new series that come out every single year because you know, old stories get dropped and you know series that aren't doing that well get dropped and whatnot. So you'll have a new series come in. And there were, there were two series that I really, really enjoyed and was kind of just heartbroken that they ended. And that was, um, and I've talked about him on the show. It was Hell mm-hmm. Warden Higuma and uh, The Last Sayuki. So Hell Warden Higuma's uh, story and art by Natsuki Hokame. And it's about this kid who is a, in a family of Hell Wardens. And that is their job is they're chosen by the god of the underworld to go and catch renegade spirits and send them back to hell. But it's very specific renegade spirits. And it's something that was has to do with the fact that their ancestor uh, let them all go in the first place like hundreds of years ago so as redemption they now have to try and capture them like every hundred years or so or something like that and the hmm. hell wardens gain powers based off of the demons that they capture and whatnot and send back to hell so it's Mega Man <laughs> kind of <laughs> in a sense yeah um kind of hate you right now (laughs) (laughs) so this both started and ended this year Renee yeah yeah so it only had a total of 20 chapters Mm -hmm. not even it was like it had 19.1 is what it was so it had (laughs) it had 19 chapters and then an epilogue and that was that was not even a satisfying epilogue and also it just kind of like they didn't really prepare you for the end like they were well they did that they didn't so like the chapter before the epilogue they were like and next chapter is the epilogue and i was like wait what i gotta imagine 20 chapters in you're like in the middle of maybe a bigger story oh my gosh yes so this story was so good and i absolutely loved it because it was kind of like it was kind of dark but it was super fun and it reminded me a little bit of yu yu Hakusho, but it was different enough that it was super interesting i didn't know where it was going to go and there was a lot of twists and turns and the art was really interesting and the all the characters had really interesting powers and we were quite literally in the middle of this very you could you could tell that the author was trying to ramp it up to keep getting votes and whatnot and i don't Mm -hmm. understand why it didn't 
and it was super interesting and it gutted me to know that it ended and That's uh, a bummer. the the other book that i mentioned the last sayuki was story and art by uh daijiro nonue um that one is also kind of in the same vein that it was super dark and it's kind of like the idea that monsters are real and they're created from the fears of humans and like they can be made real if you just get pushed a little bit too much into your fear and then there's this entity that's like uh basically trapped into this little girl and she's basically able to make all of your fears reality and so the idea is they're trying to make her continue to be happy and feel loved so that she's not just awakening all of humanity into like just this never-ending world of monsters uh, so like this priest, Yikes. this priest has his son become her adoptive brother to sort of teach her how good humanity can be. And he's also there to protect her because there's also mm. like a dark organization that's coming there. It's like, we want a world of monsters. So let's do this. <laughs> and it was really dark and it was really creepy, but it was also super interesting. And I was like, I was like, this is going to be a real big great series and i'm super here for it and i was really into it and then all of a sudden it ended again and i was like mm-hmm. why why is this ended and like i don't i don't want to bash on anybody's work but there were some stories that i was like i don't understand why this series got canceled and some other series didn't yeah why is one piece even still running you okay, know well maybe not that direction but <laughs> i mean renee i'm just curious you mentioned votes and i think i understand this but for the listeners um all of these um comics come within the same magazine correct, correct. so you don't really get to show in american comics you show support by buying the individual issues that you want amongst other things which you mm-hmm. can do obviously but the first and foremost one is buying single issues so with manga because everything comes packaged together are you are you voting online or who gets to vote or can you shine a little light on it's- that maybe it's so it's in the magazine. You buy the whole magazine basically for like four or five dollars, and it's no nah, man, it's cheaper than that. It's, it's, it's totally me cheaper. Than it's it's, comics one, are, Renee, it's like four hundred and twenty yen. I don't remember the conversion rate. It's no, dude. It's it's cheaper than that. I bought one for three hundred yen at a Seven Eleven. Dude, oh my god, yeah. oh my god, yeah. So it's pretty cheap, and the magazine has about uh, twenty stories in it. Each chapter is about 20 to 22 pages long there's also ads mm-hmm. and stuff in it unless unless you're my hero academia and then you're 13 pages long every week yeah <laughs> and sorry sorry go ahead it does now. feel short sometimes and i'm like wait what happened yeah. but um <laughs> i also love that black clover sometimes like there are just going to be panels that aren't fully done <laughs> but yeah that's another yeah. sorry thing but, I mean, they work hard. I can't imagine doing what they do. But, yeah, so in the magazine, there's about 20 stories. Each of them is roughly around 20 pages long. Uh, some are longer, some are shorter, plus ads and whatnot. And at the very end of the magazine is a survey that kids fill out, rip out, and mail into the publisher. And it says – How very analog. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It says vote on your – the whole point is they say vote for your three favorite series. And then they tally those up based on, you know, how many number one votes did it get, how many number twos, how many number threes. And then it's all calculated to see who has the highest votes. And basically the top, I think it's top 15 votes basically get to stay 
and then like the last five generally get dropped um oh, every that's so kind often of fascinating you also have to like be in the bottom tier for a while too it's not like one week and then you're done it's like i think you're in the bottom tier in like for a consistent number of weeks it can be anywhere between like like three and eight then they'll kick you off because like if one piece has like a bad two months like they're not going to end that book because it's still like a massive success but then again people are still voting one piece is their number one or their number two or their number three even though it's like a franchise at this point right like the best example of that would be bleach so bleach was one of the big three which was it was like the one of the top three books for like 10 years running and naruto and and one piece one piece so bleach near the end of its run during its last arc it was very unpopular but it still ran for almost two years in its final arc when it was Mm -hmm. no longer in the top three and it got to the point though where it was still running in the in its climax but it it still they ran it to completion to the point where finally the magazine said you've got five chapters left Mm-hmm. And that was a big series, but like they didn't just end it immediately. It still took some time for it to get there. So hmm. generally, though, if you get the magazine or if you've got the subscription like I do, if they generally have one shots that show up, mm-hmm. you can assume that there's going to be a cancellation within the next two to three weeks of a book. And because they and also generally in the magazine, the closer the series is to the back of the magazine, the more it's assumed that that's one of the weaker series because the more interesting one's going to be right at the beginning. Yeah, it's a, it's a really skewed system in a certain respect, but it also has worked. It works really well for them. I mean, it definitely sounds like there are pros and cons to be said about that. That's mm-hmm. fascinating, though. So, yeah, I'm sorry that your, your books got canceled, Renee. They sound kind of cool. <laughs> they're I mean, really good, and I don't know if they're ever going to get, like, uh, graphic novel release, like the Tonko Bonds. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. ever going to get released in the U.S., so probably the only way to read them would be to get the Shonen Jump subscription and read them on Shonen Jump because the entire right. series is there. And, again, most of them are, like, uh, like uh, uh, Hellward Haguma and The Last Sayuki, they're only about 20 to 25 chapters long. You know, it's right. basically nothing. Yeah, it's not it's, to, like, make a huge divergence, so maybe if there's, like, a short answer to this, that would be, uh, I don't know, just tell me. Uh, if your book gets canceled and jump, and obviously in American comics, sometimes you can basically pack up your toys and go home and try to find a different publisher, is it possible to try to revive your book somewhere else or is that really not a thing most of the time they don't revive the book so what they generally do is they'll have a a contract with the creators and whatnot and so they still work for the company even if their book gets um dropped and they basically have a time limit of submitting a new story to get picked up but for the most part once your series ends it's ended a lot of they just kind of don't come back to it. Right. Because the right. way that the publisher looks at it is there wasn't enough interest in that story. There is no revival. But I'm, I'm saying you can't go shop it around somewhere else. Uh, no, because I think general, I think jump, does it own it? I actually think the, the, the creators that... own it. Um, oh yeah. I'm sure hmm. there's like a, I think there's a joint 
like beneficial thing where it's not like work for hire in the states right i think because because like renee said when you get accepted into jump you essentially have a salary and but you also retain pieces of the rights so that if they do do a merchandise deal or they do make an anime or they do something then you'll actually make money on that i think yeah. right which um, is what I, most creators count on is if they make an anime that's when you're getting all the money right right gotcha so it, it, i would love to i mean that's something we should focus maybe we should try to do for next year is to actually have someone from like a a manga company come out to speak to that because i think that's such a fascinating thing and i mean maybe there's a lot of like in-house we don't want to tell you all the, the bits and pieces but um <laughs> still it'd be really interesting but i'm gonna i'm gonna jump away from this and say yeah and talk sure about a tell book me that a I, book that's on your list mike yeah so one of the books that really blew me away this year was oh human star this is volumes one and two that i read this year oh human star has been like a web comic for a a little while i don't know the details but it's by blue delaquante and it's essentially a story and i I know i talked about on the show before but it's a story about robots and people in love and that's to me maybe sounds like gundam but uh it's it's not it's about like this man who dies unexpectedly and he wakes up one day and it turns out that his mind has been placed inside of a robot that looks exactly like his old body but he's still a robot um and so he's trying to come to terms with you know being alive again and seeing his old partner that he had had been with and you kind of understand like their relationship and it turns out that his old partner created tried to clone him before and it failed but it still resulted in like a person um who like and i say clone i mean mentally clone like clone his mind into another robot to bring him back and it didn't go well in that the sense that the, the same person didn't come back but instead he now has this daughter robot that's been growing up and knows how to fly and is really good with robots and the world around these people kind of there are robots everywhere and there's kind of a two-class system where you're there's robots and then there's people but then there are people that passes robots or excuse me there are, there are robots that passes people and it's kind of got like a a subtle story about you know trans people in the world and how you can quote unquote pass as someone uh, or as something or Mm. you know that maybe you actually um you know you're trying to be but whatever and um it's a a really good book and i I really love the 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 story it's very very short like i said it's two volumes the third volume i think is going to be the last volume and that's coming out early next year i think i spoke to the creator at new york city and they told me soon um it's the long and short of it but i also picked up the other book meal which is very good but oh human star really like broke my heart in a really really good ways and it i honestly think it's a book that anybody could read and fall in love with and the fact that it's free and you can read it online is great but to support blue i picked up the volumes because oh my gosh like i read it digitally first and then immediately was like fuck this i'm buying the physical book so i have the physical books at home um and blue is just the nicest person in the world to talk to at conventions so if you get a chance to talk to them have a conversation because they know and can speak to this whole genre of robots like giant robot people things really really well um it's it's a really cool book i i can't explain it any better because it's it's like a two two tone palette that alternates between blue and white and red and white depending on if it's a flashback or if there's a different emotion in the scene and i think it's all really really well executed and it's by far one of the most interesting books i've read this year Honestly, you had me at robots, and then you kept sure, sure. you kept going, and I was like, uh, I don't know why I haven't already downloaded this into my heart because uh, it sounds yeah. exactly what I'm all about. Yeah, and I I really think that I could give this to anybody and they would enjoy it because it it is about robots. It's also about understanding yourself, understanding like the discussion of like 
is are you your body is it just your mind that makes you who you are like a lot of really interesting questions that only partially get answered or you can read them a certain way in this book and i really like what blue's done with the series like from the get-go it's such an interesting book but yeah let's i mean let's bounce back i mean nick what else what else is on your list you know honestly i i would just have to add yesterday i read um the weatherman volume one um which like most books that mike recommends to me i hear about it a couple times i say yeah yeah fine i let about eight months go by and then i try to take credit for discovering the book um so this is no different and uh i would definitely recommend this book to mike i think you'd really enjoy it uh (laughs) thanks thanks nick no um so this is from image uh, it's from writer Jody Lahoop. Gosh, it's just French names left and right today. Yeah. Come on. And uh, art by Nathan Fox. Thank you for not having a French name, Nathan. Um, <laughs> and uh, so basically, and colors by Dave Stewart, and it's about a weatherman. Um, I think it's a couple centuries in the future, and he's a weatherman on Mars, which has now been terraformed. Mm-hmm. And uh, you kind of it starts out, and you're like, "Oh, this guy's kind of goofy and kind of funny, but also sort of a dim-witted idiot." Where is this going to go? Because <laughs> um, at first it seems like a charming futuristic romp, and then I guess minor spoilers. I mean, the first trade rolled out at the beginning of this year. Um, you discover, I guess, let's just make it a little ambiguous. He's not quite what he seems to be. Right. Um, and uh yeah who cares oh let's just spoil this so you find out that he um has had his mind wiped and um his i think his physically his physical features were changed partially i think uh and he used to be this terrorist who's supposed to be responsible for carrying carrying out the worst terrorist attack in human history wiped out nearly the whole population of earth you know so not exactly a good guy um so uh but he doesn't know that he did these things because after he did these things they wiped his mind and they put his old memories on a hard drive and people are now basically everyone's rushing around trying to figure out where those memories went and obviously there's a bunch of people that are now trying to kill him because they realize he's responsible for that even though you can get into a debate over whether or not he is so um brother yeah i mean there's a lot of big questions like that yeah <laughs> I, honestly like you know it's st- sorry go ahead mike oh that's it <laughs> no like the fact that it starts with like that chord like just human quandary of like can you can you say this person is responsible for something that he doesn't even, you know, he can't remember and seemingly, you know, yeah, do you hold him responsible for that? I think right. it's a great sort of moral, ethical crux that the book kind of hangs on, and I think a lot, it's, it's one that a lot of the characters in it struggle with. Um, but beyond that, uh, the artwork by Nathan Fox is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of um, almost like Rosmo and Albuquerque and just sort of just there's a real loose, colorful energy just blasting through the pages of this book. Mm-hmm. Um, would definitely recommend this to people, honestly. Uh, I Sometimes like one of the real metrics for me of just how good a book is 
sometimes it's just how long I sit around and savor it. Other times it's just like how much I blast through it because it's like I have to absolutely know what happens next. And for yeah. me, I read this first volume so fucking fast last night that I, I was like, wow, like I've got to get on board with this book. So Mike, I would definitely say like when you get a chance, <laughs> try try this book. <laughs> thanks, thanks. <laughs> I, I'm glad you dug it because to me, I feel like it's it's definitely not a book that will resonate with everybody, but it feels no. it's definitely a book that I think is up your alley. Which I mean, it's it's got a lot of you know moral questions, but I think it's got a lot of fast-paced sci-fi action that a lot of books try to do and don't execute as well. Um, and this one does it perfectly. I think the, the the breakneck speed at which this book runs, um, I think I need to go back. Like, Volume 2 came out a little while ago, or the issues of Volume um, 2, because the they've issues been issues Volume 2 did. Yeah, and, Volume 2 comes out in, like, February. Right, and so the I, I think I need to go back and reread a lot of stuff, just because some of the, the finer details have been lost on me. But mm-hmm. um, it's, it's a very good book. Like, I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I mean, I have to say this. I think Mike said it before when he talked about the book before. It does bear mentioning again. The book is great. I would recommend it. Um, but it does get pretty violent at some points. Yes. And there is violence against a dog, which is pretty um, It's pretty graphic. Yeah, to uh, say the least. To say the least. So just just be warned. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I'm going to... I'm gonna... Yeah, I would. I definitely would still recommend it if you want some good sci-fi action. But Renee, what about yeah. you? What What other books are on your list here? Um, I guess the main one would be Samurai Eight: The Tale of Hachimaru, uh, which is story by Masashi Kishimoto and art by Akira Okubo. And this is Masashi Kishimoto's new series. Uh, Masashi Kishimoto, for those of you that don't know, is the uh, human being that created Naruto, which is one of my favorite series and is very mm-hmm. near and dear to my heart. And I'm getting all like misty eyed just thinking about it. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so basically Samurai, Samurai 8 Tale of Hachimaru is basically Naruto in space, but with Samurai, uh, which I don't hate. Uh, in fact, that's pretty much exactly what I want. Uh, it's like, it's like he knows me and is specifically like, Hey, here's the thing that you dig. And he's right. I absolutely dig it. And um, it started out kind of slow, um, kind of unlike Naruto, and because uh, I think I don't really know why he started out very slow with this. It had a very different pace at the beginning. It took a while for us to get the engine running, but now we're. I think they've kind of hit their stride right now, and um, unlike Naruto, Masashi Kishimoto doesn't do all of the art. In fact, the art is done by Akira Okubo, who was actually his assistant, on, one of his assistants on Naruto. Um, and I think he was his assistant for like nine years. Um, oh, so he gets it. Yeah, yeah. So basically, like, uh, Kishimoto will probably, I don't know how the actual process, but he probably does a pretty good rough draft, and then Akubo just, like, fine details it. Uh, but he mm-hmm. he obviously does enough of the manuscript that they specifically give him his art by him. Um, and this gotcha. is not to be confused with the artist that does boruto which is mikio ikimoto who uh was also an assistant on naruto and was one of the guys that actually was drawing uh naruto near the end of its run because uh mizashi kishimoto's um kind of getting up there and so you know it gets hard to write a weekly series like that um right right. especially when you're concerned for the author's health but Mm -hmm. i mean mizashi kishimoto's still writing and it's still pretty good and uh you know, it's it's been it's been good. I was really worried. I was really worried that I was like, oh no, is it 
is it going to be like Eden Zero, which is just fairy tale in space? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which I mean, it's it's kind of hard to follow up Naruto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just say that, right? Like, uh, <laughs> what did what did Toriyama do after Dragon Ball Z? Uh, more Dragon Ball, yeah, I, I think. Like, like twenty years <laughs> after the fact, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's he had, true. He had that's a mini series. He had a mini series. No. <laughs> uh, well, dra- he only did the art for Dragon Quest. He didn't do any of the story. Um, uh, but he did a miniseries called Sandland. I don't know if that actually came out after Dragon Ball. It might have come out before. I don't remember. Yeah, I was going to say, I know of another book that he did called Kawa, but I think that might have come out at the same time as Dragon Ball. I can't remember. It's like a miniseries, little like like goofy, spooky book. Um, it's pretty cute, yeah, but interesting. It's, Naruto it's, in space. Uh, but with samurai. They're not ninja. But they're with samurai. samurai. So, <laughs> okay, okay. If you remember, it, there was during the Five Kage Summit in Naruto, they sure, go they go to the mountains, which is the land of samurai, and everyone was like, oh, look at how different the design is for the samurai. And everyone was like, how dope mm-hmm. would it be if there was a samurai story after Naruto or something? And he, I'm pretty sure that Kishimoto was listening because then he was like, all right, but what if they're samurai? And they're like half robots, and they're in space. In space. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I heard, I was like, "I was like, shut up and take my money." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm gonna plug another ma- a manga as well that I just want to touch on because I know I've ranted about it nonstop since I started reading it, and it is the Witch Hat Atelier, which is the most beautiful, cute little book that you could ever read about magic in a world that is spectacular and awful at the same time. It's by Kamome Shirahama. And essentially, it's about a little girl who finds this book that contains, as she comes to find, uh, illegal magic. And she casts a spell out of this book, which gets the attention of these the, the master witches and wizards of this world. Or witches and warlocks, I think, is the way that they describe them. And she gets taken away, and she's going to basically have her mind wiped. But a somebody steps in and says, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. Just because she isn't a born witch doesn't mean she can't learn magic. She was able to cast this very powerful spell. Maybe there's something more to her. So this this uh, this witch, I guess he's he's called a witch because there are witches and warlocks, and there's some difference. And I don't want to go into the difference, uh, but <laughs> the, he's a witch, and he's like, I'll train her. I'm already training three other witches. I'll train her as well. And so as this the story goes on, you learn more and more about the other apprentices. And he lives in the place called an atelier, and it's everyone has to wear these hats. And the designs in this book are very very beautiful. If you're a fan of the art of Trungles, he's like a he's a Western comics artist. I think you'll really like this book because the the fine detail and intricate line work that trungles does is very very um much a thing in this book as well and i wouldn't say that the two artists necessarily even know each other but if you like that style you'll also like this book i think that the the magic system in this in this world is very logical and clear and i love that parts of the book are just going over how the magic works in order to say oh here's how someone casts a fly spell here's how when someone would cast like a fire spell and so on and so forth because each of the more major elements of the world have different symbols and the size and the shape and the direction and all this stuff within the circle that you draw determines how the magic works in itself and it's it's very very clever and it's almost like a logic puzzle in some ways the way that these characters in the book as they find themselves in these conundrums that how they get out of them with the logical way that this magic works is really really interesting and i haven't read the fourth volume but four volumes are out the fifth one is coming out soon it is a magnificent manga um that i 
cannot recommend enough to people, especially if you're looking for something fantasy oriented, which I always am. So highly recommend that one. Dude, the day Kodansha gets a subscription, like, jump or oh, yeah, something, I'll be done. I'm gonna be on it. There's so yeah, many I'm gonna dates. have to quit Western Comics, man. It's fucking problematic. Dude. <laughs> Dude, like, because uh, there's so many things in Kodansha that I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I want to read this, but I can't, you know, knowingly drop $120 right now. Yeah, yeah. Just gotta wait for one of those Kodansha sales on Comixology and pick them up for like three bucks a volume or something. Yeah, true. But right. still, it's it's really good stuff. I, I highly recommend it if you if you want to read some fantasy stuff. Um, but yeah, let's uh, we'll do one more for each of us. Nick, what's what's one more book you really enjoyed reading this year? Sure. Uh, let me see. Um, no, that's it. I pretty much hated everything else. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we'll do a quick round because we're, we're kind of running out of tape here. But quickly, what's what's one yeah, more I'll, book I'll you want to just wanna just give you a real quick pairing here of something current and something old. Um, I've enjoyed what I've read of the new Lazarus since it switched to the quarterly schedule. Nice. Um, it's still kind of weird, and I, I understand why a lot of books don't like it because it just it's hard to keep your book in in readers' minds when you're showing up, you know, four times a year. Mm-hmm. It's more like, oh, I've totally forgot, and then there it is. So, um, but the quality is still there. Uh, the other thing I've I've really enjoyed that's you know certainly not from 2019, but I happen to come across it in 2019 is I've read most of most of my BPRD reading has been in 2019, and I've again, as I've said before, I've thoroughly un- enjoyed that book. Uh, especially the fact that it, um, like, some pretty, like, tough, like, devastating things have happened in the book, but, like, being the book it is, they've never um, sort of tried to turn back the clock or, or revert things like certain superhero books do. Everything seems very permanent and grounded. Um, Listen, if you're trying to knock down X-Men right in front of me, Nick, uh, <laughs> we're going to fight. I was going to say, why does Nick keep trying to pick battles, y'all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys. It's just it's just by nature. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, those 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 would be two that I would definitely recommend. And then, obviously, I loved Gideon Falls, but no one needs... Everyone's heard that a billion times over, and <laughs> yeah. barely anyone needs to... Be like, oh, Gideon Falls. You know, That's wow, I never heard about this. Is that like the yeah, comic yeah, version yeah. of Twin Peaks? <laughs> um, some people have described it yeah, that way. Yeah, some some ways. Oh, yeah. I was just trying to get you mad of that. <laughs> it didn't actually no, work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Jeff Lemire is a he, good god. He's He might be one of the biggest Twin Peaks fans out there. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, Renee, really quick with you, what are what are two more picks? Do you have an old one and a new one that you can throw at us? I've got two-ish new ones. Um, okay, go for so it. So there's a canceled series called Neolation, which is about a hacker that decides that he's going to become the biggest bad guy in his uh, hometown. But he's decided <laughs> that he's going to do this so that no other, like, worse people come into the town and mess with it. So he's... There's I some see. great logic there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so... And he's a, he's a hacker, so all of these things which are... If basically, if you like the movie Hackers from like, the because it's like even though it's modern technology, it's also like I'm pretty sure that's not how that works. But it was uh, it was really fun and it was a nice little adventure with like hints of darker tones and stuff like that. And uh, and it it I I kind of thought that it was gonna run at least for like a year and then it didn't. Um, but it's really it's really kind of fun if you have a subscription to Shonen Jump. I would definitely read it. It's a nice little it's a nice little fun story um mm-hmm. 
And then the other one, which is still ongoing, and it's called Spy Family, and it's story and art by Tetsuya Endo. Um, also, I forgot to say, Neolation is story by Tomohide Hirayo and art by Mizuki Yoda. Uh, anyway, Spy Family by Tetsuya Endo is a story about a uh, a telepath, an assassin, and a spy pretending to be a family in order to prevent war. <laughs> What? <laughs> yeah, so it's basically a fictional version like of of East and West Germany during, you know, the time that those existed, but in mm-hmm. but at the same time it's not really it's they're not really specific that like, hey, it's East and West Germany, but they're also like we're also not saying it's not. Um Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely an iron wall. It's like, like all of the countries that are in GI Joe, they're just all made up, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a, <laughs> they don't want to offend anybody. So like the there's like a spy, I don't can't remember what side of the country or which whether he belongs to east or west but he's a good guy um and he's a spy and he's trying to prevent war between uh the two countries and so he has a new mission where he has to get um close to this general who is basically trying to start war and he has to try and get close to him and the way that they're going to have him get close to him is to pretend to have a family and get close to the family through his son that's attending this prestigious school Mm-hmm. So the spy just adopts a random kid who he thinks is going to help his uh, his mission. And what happens is the kid that he adopts ends up tricking him into thinking she's perfect for the role. And it's because she can read minds. Oh, geez. <laughs> so she's also obsessed with spies. So the fact knowing the fact that he's like thinking to himself, I'm a spy, I'm a spy. She's like, that's dope. <laughs> so so he adopts her and then realizes he's like crap i need someone to play the mother and he picks it through these random things he picks this woman that seems very nice and very kind and has a, and is very good to his fictional daughter and it turns out she's an assassin <laughs> so they're all trying to basically what, what isn't this book so they're all basically yeah, is... trying to hide their identities from each other but the only one that's fully aware of what's happening is the little girl because she's a telepath right right <laughs> Oh my goodness! This this sounds bonkers, it's, Renee. I'm guessing this is like a gag manga in yes, some capacity. It is absolutely okay. a gag manga, and it's fantastic. I um, I fell in love with it immediately. I was like, "This is great! It's super fun! It's 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 hilarious! It's definitely a good That's, time." That sounds great. I, I might have to just check this out just to see the insanity in in the Shonen Jump app. But um, <laughs> so for me, I, I real quick, I will just throw out an old and a new like a book that I read that was wasn't published in 2019. But uh, Doom Patrol. This is just the entire Grant Morrison run. Paul and I did the fantastic series that we did. If you want to know my thoughts, you should go listen to that on our Patreon. But like actually sitting down and reading Doom Patrol, I get a lot of references now. I especially get, I understand Paul a little bit better, which is always great. Um, but really, the, the the series from beginning to end was spectacular. And I think the story arc um, of uh, everybody involved in that book is, is incredible. And I really look forward to actually sitting down and reading the Gerard Way stuff now that I understand where Way is coming from with that series. So um, really, really enjoyed that. And the other book that I want to talk about is a book that I've definitely pushed on every single human being in the world um and this is laura dean keeps breaking up with me by mariko tamaki and rosemary valero o'connell and it's a story about high school breakups and how you get over that and how you deal with your feelings and i cannot express how fantastic of a book that is i wish it was a book that i had read when i was 17 or when i was 21 like every single time i had a bad breakup i wish that was a book that i had because quite honestly 
it nails things. And I mean, it's very modern. It's very much a book that was meant to be put out in 2019 and some of the tropes and the story bits that they use. But um, still, it's it's so well done and it's such a beautiful book. The art, every single page is a picturesque miracle because Rosemary Valero O'Connell is a stupendous artist. And I think her use of negative space in this book is incredible. Um, The use of the color white um, on a book that is kind of monochromatic is really, really clever. And I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, If you haven't read it, it's probably the best OGN. It's like my number one OGN for 2019, um, if not the entire decade. Dun, dun, dun. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. But it's, it's one of the best that I read this year, hands down. So, yeah, I don't know. I I know we had a bunch of other stuff on our list, guys, but we are quite honestly running out of tape. So, thank you for the massive amount of show notes that you've provided me. <laughs> I will. Be, I look forward to posting those on Patreon for folks to want them. And we'll post the, probably a list of some of this stuff on the actual show notes of the show if you want to see the other books that we really enjoyed in 2019. But for now, uh, you can always follow us on Twitter. You can follow Nick at Death Star Plans. You can follow Renee at Rodriguez 29 And you can follow me at Mike Rappin. And obviously, you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram where we post news, art, sass, retweets of other folks that are on the show and things that I just think are funny when i jump on twitter <laughs> this show is powered by fans like you on patreon find our patreon at patreon.com slash ircb podcast join now for access to exclusive audio articles previews of the ircb schedule early access to top of my pile posts and so much more our goodreads group is a lovely community of comic friends you can join our yearly reading challenge and comment on our weekly threads and you can check all of that out at ircbpodcast.com slash goodreads In case you didn't know, ircbpodcast.com is our website where we host our pronunciation guide, which after this week, you're surely going to want to check out. Uh, We have our Discord server, zines, merch, and everything else IRCB. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars would be great. You can do this on iTunes and beyond, and we will read your review on the next episode. Speaking of that, I have a quick review to read from the wonderful Danny. He says, I've been listening for quite a while. Do you know what the best thing about the podcast is? That no matter what combination of hosts is on the episode, the quality is top-notch. For the past year, I discovered and listened to the podcast until I got current, and it has been an amazing experience. The passion for comics that the hosts have is contagious, and I love comics already. I recommend this to anyone trying to learn about all aspects of comics, from creations to collecting, reviewing, reading, relating to other media, specific books and works, manga, I know, working in the industry. They cover all the bases. This is a podcast for people who live comic books, and I can relate to that. I listen to this every Wednesday as I drive to my LCS to pick up polls, and I love this ritual. Danny, I think you already know that we love you to death, but thank you so much for your review, man. That really, really means a lot. I'm in tears. (laughs) Thanks, Danny. We we appreciate it, honestly. Those are... It's really nice to hear. You can also email the show with what you've been reading, recipes, corrections, etc. You can do that at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is a great wizard. He's an editor. He's a fun friend, and he edits the show. He's amazing. I want to say thank you to Nick and Renee for being on the episode. Thank you to everyone on the Discord who continues to hang out with us. And when we do our live hangout episodes, I promise I won't drink as much White Claw as I did last time. Lies. <laughs> so thank you, for, thank you for checking everything out. We really appreciate everyone. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you.
I'm back, Renee. Oh, hey, Meg. Yes, don't worry. This is the I Have Been Reading Comic Books podcast. Yes. <laughs> I didn't mean to make it sound like Super Jim, but like then it just, like, hey, Meg. <laughs> no, that's okay. How that's... are you doing? I hope you are very so, well. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, no, it's fine, because sometimes I just do that in my head, like, before we start the show. I'm like, maybe this week I'll introduce the show kind of weird. Be like, hello, yes, this is the I Have Been Reading Comic Books podcast. I am your host, Michael Rappin. <laughs> you have been listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast before, so you know how this goes. I will ask you a question, and it is the same <laughs> questions that I ask every single week. How have you been, and how are the comic books that you have been reading? How was and I'll just, I, 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 in my head, for some reason, I've just been like channeling Werner Herzog. Um, yeah, right. Like all the time in my, my internal monologue is like, and then I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to go to work. And when I go to the work, I will feel okay about it because it is work that I enjoy sometimes. Oh, God. Like, I, I do have a question. Would you use Velkomen for, uh, for saying, like, welcome to the podcast? Uh, if I was going to do it in German? Yeah. Like you didn't have to do all, like, um, all of it, but you could be like, Willkommen und uh, I read Willkommen, meinen Freunden. <laughs> this, is I, <laughs> this is I read comic books podcast. Yes. Thank you very much for coming. Dankeschön. <laughs> <laughs> I used to, like, I, the, at the bakery I worked at, like, the uh, owner was her, she's German heritage, so she was always, like, trying to, like, make it look like little Bavaria, and I was like, okay. I was like, Sarah, you're pretty not German, though, right? And she's like, no, I'm German. So I'd always be like, why don't we just teach everybody a little bit of German to just be like, willkommen und kann in helfen. And she was like... I love it. And I said that to her, and she got, she, like, it turns out she actually knows German, so she started throwing it at me. I was like, yeah, that's all I got, dude. <laughs> I love it. 